On this episode, we're joined by Mark Cunningham, who is the co-founder of WinFresh. Now, there's been a big drive towards automation in financial services in recent years, and underpinning much of this has been a whole range of new data sources. Here, we've been building digital products in the insurance and mortgage market for a number of years, and one name that has come up quite a lot as being a good source of automated property data is WinFresh. So today, we're going to talk about how they built their company, who their customers are, and how it has the potential to improve business and customer experience. So Mark, thank you for joining us today. Um, do you want to start by giving us a bit of background about WinFresh and, and what the company does? Sure. So WinFresh is a data or decision as a service business. Mm-hmm. So we provide information to financial services companies so they know what the next best action is. Brilliant. I think I've seen you described as a, 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 was it a property data supermarket. Uh, yeah, so that's true. So that's our API service mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. We, we host billions of data items mm-hmm. on anything property related. Right. And then the business is built on top of that where we engage with the end user and say, what's the thing you need to know in order yes. to know what to do next? Yes. Okay. I guess before we dive a bit more into the technical part and uh, uh, some use cases, mm-hmm. do you want to start by giving us a, a bit of background about yourself? Because I think you've got quite an interesting history, including in a little bit of a okay. history in the music uh, industry, haven't you? Yeah, it's been a funny route. So I uh, <laughs> yes, started as an archaeologist. Um, okay. Yep. And then ended up in data because that made sense. And uh, then into music. So I ran a, a music licensing company and out okay. of music licensing into this. How did you make that transition? <laughs> <laughs> why, did you, why did I leave the rock and roll world of music licensing and end up in insurance and fintech? Yes. Uh, a poor decision on my part. Um, no worries. <laughs> Look, essentially, they're the same thing. A business is a business, whether you're licensing music or licensing data. or it's They're not as fantastically different as you'd imagine. Okay. So as long as you're outside the recording studio, obviously that's where the magic happens, but yes. everything else is the infrastructure. Yes. So you're either an accountant or a lawyer or a marketeer or a mm. uh, data person. You mm. just happen to be in music and a data yes. person. And for those that aren't familiar with you know, property data APIs or even APIs, sure. perhaps we can sort of bring it to life a little bit about the, uh, you know, the use cases of who, who's well, using sim- your... The, sim- the simplest way of describing it, you will know that there are um, insurance quotes or insurance companies online that are saying, or TV campaigns that are mm. saying you don't have to answer any questions, just... Give us your address and we'll give you a quote. The magic that makes that happen is an insurance API. So mm-hmm. you, the use case is you're a user, you're on a phone, you've got very little real estate to input data. All I need to know is where are you? Mm-hmm. And then our machinery works out what the price is or what do I need to know about that building in order for an insurance company to say, okay, we'll do it. So I guess one sort of use case is around, say, sort of, you've got this home, in, home insurance pre-fill. pre-fill. Yeah, yes. that's the simplest way of describing it. Yes, so for yes. a... For you, you would only need to be able to say, I'm here. You wouldn't even have to give us the address. You just say, I am in this location, and that's mm. good enough. I think that's how I first came across your company, because we do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in the insurance world and mm-hmm. uh, the mortgage world as well. And obviously, property data is really important. Um, yep. So I think the kind of insurance prefill around, you know, number of bedrooms and things like that. Yeah, that's one, the easy stuff. It's probably the easy stuff. Yeah, the more I, complicated or esoteric is mm. how close is it to the nearest tree? What's it, is it in a flood zone? What's being built near it? Is there anything that's going to adversely affect the thing? So it's it's all of the questions that you would previously have asked mm. an expert to go to in situ and have a look. You can now query and just ask the question. Yes, yes. So I actually had a look at your API document this morning for my sins. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of data points on there. A lot of oh, like, yeah. some yeah. of them seemingly uh, you know ones I haven't seen before elsewhere. Uh, where do you actually get all your data from? Oh, partner companies. So typically what happens is an insurer or a mortgage lender Mm -hmm. would say, look, these are things that would concern us. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
this is this is real. Um, is there a cattery nearby, like a place where you'd leave your cat? Honestly, is there okay. a cattery nearby? Is it any? This would make more sense. Is there any a sewage processing plant which would be on higher ground to the place I'm going to lend right, to okay. in the instance of a flood? Yeah. Imagine why. So you just run through all those questions, going right. Okay, I got to go get mm. that data from somewhere. Mm. And then we have a team of people who go out and find the data. Just find partners who have that data. I think there are kind of various. Uh, I don't know if they're open source, but certainly free data sources out there in the market for some elements of yeah, data. How does your sort of compare? Yeah, there, there are free sources. The problem with free data is it's really expensive if it's wrong. Mm, yeah. So you kind of got to make sure that even if it's out in the world, that it's absolutely mapped correctly to a location. Yes. Otherwise, it's free data is exactly useless if you can't use it properly. Mm, mm. So, yeah, there are sources. I prefer to use a commercial source to make sure that there's a warrant behind it. So mm. if something goes wrong, somebody's next on the line. Yes. Free source of data, there's no warrant. So yes. It's a bit tricksy. And you say making sort of key decisions based on that could, could get quite expensive. Yeah, it's, it, it's not. Yeah, exactly so. It's, it's not having the ability to go, okay, I made a decision on the basis that you told me to do something. Mm. And I think that's going to be the big jump, by the way. That's the, how I think the industry is going to change is that you'll have fewer and fewer data companies as mm -hmm. such, and you'll have more decision-based companies. So mm. I'm going to pay you to tell me what to do next. I'm only going to ask okay. you one question. If you're wrong, I need I need recourse. If you're right, great, so I can yes. move that out of the way. Yeah. In the same way as people would have used a conveyancer or a, a physical surveyor in the mm. past and said, it's up to you. I'm sending you out there. I'm going to pay yeah. you to do it. Write the report, and if it's good, we'll go. You yeah. should be able to do that programmatically. Yes, yes. So how do you? So you've got lots of different data sources. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd imagine some of them overlap, perhaps. Uh, yeah, yeah, in sure. In some respects. So, so I guess we're going too technical. How do you ensure the quality of data, uh, and how you know how do you do that matching between That's good different data sets? So, what you the way to do it? I'm giving away the secret. So, the way to do it is you start off with what's called a canonical set, a set that you know is true, okay. unavoidably true. So, if if you start with the land registry, then that's what is mm -hmm. considered true. And then everything that sits underneath it, you could go, well, if they think it's a house, mm. did the estate agent think it's a house? Does LIDAR think it's a house? Does and you work your way down through the mm -hmm. list of, I think it's a house. Yeah. But you've got to start off with one place that says, I definitely know that's true. Mm. And once you've established a place where something is definitively true, then mm. finding data sets that disagree with each other is finding um, wrinkles in the leather. That's where the interesting stuff is. So you think it's a house, you think it's a flat, you think it's a cattery. Fine, I'm okay with that probably means we don't know the correct answer here. Therefore, the decision is not carry on. The decision is hang fire, push that aside and check it later. Okay. And I imagine some of this stuff probably evolved. I, mean, I built a house extension in my last house and we changed, mm -hmm. remodeled it in quite, quite a big way. Mm -hmm. How does that kind of, how did that get fed into did the Did you get data? planning permission? We did, yes. Then it'll be in the planning permission. Got so okay. planning permission will tell us uh, there will have been plans submitted with it so we can see the layout of the thing and then LIDAR so, or satellite um, resonance images so mm. I can see the picture of it. Uh, when did you do this? This was 2016. Okay, so you'll, you, there, we'll have 17 through to today will be satellite imaged. So you get a satellite image of more or less every house in the UK mm. annually, yeah. uh, cloud cover allowing. Yes. Yes. So I guess... So we talked about spooky, isn't it? It is a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you've been watched from space, and we have everything written down. I know, I know. I think uh, on our new house that we bought, we did a look up at the time uh, on Zoopla just okay. to have a look. At, uh, and I think some of that data it wasn't actually right on there, but we submitted like a tweak and a change to, to correct it. Does that kind of that sort of thing filter through? Is, that's very interesting. So Ken Clemmer, who's our head of data science, was head of data science at Zoopla Group. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and they had a. 
they had a brilliant program, which was mm -hmm. Claim Your Home, uh, where people could input data. And it would I did that. Data. You did it, right, okay, right. So you're good. But one of the challenges about uh, human input data is mm. that it, one of the, the things that that process was trying to do was give you the right price for the house or mm. the right value of the property. And much like car insurance or home insurance key infills, mm. people uh, might veer away from True North yes. and put in something to see if I put a side extension on, yes. what would it be worth? So, mm -hmm. you know, conditional clause. I don't know if you're putting data in to discover what it would be if I change the conditions mm. or what it is. So when you have people putting information in, uh, you've got to make sure that they're putting it in for the right reason mm. and therefore you can use that data. So yes, human input data, fantastic. Why are they putting it in? And does it disagree with what I already know about a place? Yes, that's true. I don't think about it that way. So I guess even kind of insurance, self-service journeys, people game the system. You know, totally. if, if, I, if I modify my car, or yeah, that yeah, changes yeah. attribute, how much changes the price, so I guess it's... Okay, you know, in a distant part, uh, past part of my life, I was working on home insurance quotes mm -hmm. uh, on the insurance side. And we were looking at the quotes as they came through. I was a data analyst going, that's not right. And what you could see is somebody putting in, this is the reg of my car. I park it in on the streets, quote. I meant I parked it on the driveway. That's well, not driveway, but let's see what happens. Quote. I park it in the garage. Quote. All right. You can't. There's no garage. But it's just people putting in different variants of details to exactly as you said to game it. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be careful of people gaming things. That's mm -hmm. that is very true. I guess as the kind of more premium service that you've got commercially, mm -hmm. the, you know, I guess there's an expectation that there's that high quality of data that's that's, that's gone. Yeah. If we're if we're being paid to make a decision, then we yeah. better be right. Yes. So we we have a, a valuation service where. Um, we ensure the valuation. So with our partners, CLS, so they're one of the big investors into the, into our company. And um, that is that enables a lender to go, should I lend on that? What's the value of the property? And for us to go, the value of the property is X. And if we're wrong and you repossess the thing, you lost money because you gave the wrong valuation. We've got to pay it. Yes. I think I saw you. Did you notice that last summer? We did. Yeah, we've our first lender live now. Amazing. Yeah, because obviously with the events of the last 15 months, especially that kind of first period, uh, there was a big Great shift time towards... to launch a new financial product, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I guess there was um, there was already a drive towards you know automated valuations. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. People at home tracking the market that yeah, are really okay. strong, in, yeah. strong in that. Um, and up to certain loan-to-values, I think a lot of lenders were certainly happy to switch either temporarily or, or to ABMs. But um, Kind of. So okay. what, what, what happened? We, we're, we launched a product at the same time as the insured product. Mm -hmm. And the second product's gone gangbusters, which is why I started off with the we're moving into this decision as a service business. Oh, the insured version? Yeah, no, actually, strictly speaking, no. We launched okay. the insured product, the, mm -hmm. the insured valuation product, and that, that's been a tough sell. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, you've got a lot of internal shenanigans going on at lenders, so you, you've really got to make sure they understand what it is and who's going to use it. Mm. Whereas the product that's gone gangbusters, it's still being purchased, by the way, but the one that's gone gangbusters is actually a simple check, which is, this is property A. Does it fit inside my rules? Okay. So I, I was going to bring this up. I, I got an email from a lender on the way here in the cab this morning that went, okay, we're, we're, we're in. We're now on, we've got eighth deployment. So eight customers since we launched have gone, okay, we better do this. And the and the, the reason is, you're right. Lenders wanted to move more and more into AVMs, and they would be right to do so. And I hesitate to say it, but I think HomeTrack would be the right partner to do it with. The challenge is knowing which of the applications that come through the door, you can AVM, and it's not a loan-to-value issue. Okay. The issue is, 
Is there anything unusual about the property? The loan to value might be fine. But do you know that it's not Monday blocks? Do you know that it had planning permission? Do you know? And those are the things that a valuer would check mm. that an AVM can't. The AVM knows that the value is right. What it doesn't know that it meets lender criteria. Yeah. So for a lender to say, right, these are my 25 criteria. So it can't be uh, wooden framed. It can't be built between this period and this period. I'm concerned about stuff that's got X percentage of flat roofs, dot, 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 whatever the rule set is. Fine, give me the rule set. My team work out the rule set and then turn that into an API feed. So your lender A, your or your broker A, because you saw it on we're now integrated with 27 Tech. I saw, yes. Right. So that that that's the product. Mm -hmm. So we take that out and put it out into each of the mortgage brokerage software houses mm -hmm. to enable a broker to come on for their customer and tap in whatever it is that customer wants to borrow. That information fires over to us and goes, right, they want to go with Barclays. Barclays have 20 rules. The property is one the high street. Will this one fail or is it okay to go? No, good to go. Okay, great. Send it for an AVM. Mm -hmm. And that one jump allows you to go from a small number of AVMs to a large number of AVMs because you know it's not going to fail. You mm -hmm. didn't need to send a human. Yes. Now that one is going out the door like hotcakes. Okay, interesting. And I think we've certainly seen over the last uh, sort of 15 months or so uh, fair to say, an acceleration of transformation in the mortgage market and uh, uh, lending, uh, yeah. uh, having you know been a relatively slow start to start with. I think obviously LTV is a very blunt instrument to decide whether to do an AVM or not. So right. you're, what, you're, they, what we saw was actually uh, it was only fairly low LTV in, uh, um, scores. In, well, you, it, in if, you, if you've got a low LTV, what you're baking in is the improbability that something else exactly. has gone wrong. Exactly. As opposed to being able to say, this property will definitively pass your lender rules, you can go up the curve. Exactly. So I guess that's what I'm driving at, is that that, 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 that solution will enable them to get sort of sure. closer to normal sure. sort of underwriting. Yeah, the, the, other, the other big discovery in it was, we thought there were two groups, right? You've got your AVM group and your not AVM group, or your group that you're going to send, the ones that you're going to send people to go and have a look at. Mm -hmm. There's a third group. The obvious exclusions that go, this is not for you. Mm. Now, that this is not for you group in the current world end up going through for a valuer and then it goes to the conveyancer and then the conveyancer says to the lender, this one's got, I don't know, a septic tank outside the boundaries of the title. Are you sure you want to do this? And so you've walked into the bank. Our lender goes, hey, um, we'll, we'll lend to you. And then they say, could I have my arrangement fee? And then they send somebody out to have a look at the thing. And finally, you discover three or four weeks later, it's not for you. They won't do it. Mm. That group are the ones that cost all the money. Yes. So that is a complete cost base for a lender. They're never going to make money on those. Mm -hmm. And subsequently, that, that cost gets defrayed across everybody else who borrows something. Yes. So if you can cut those guys out and say, look, this is not for that lender, although that lender will take it, mm -hmm. big win. Yes. On our last episode, we had uh, a, um, a surveying company mm -hmm. come and talk about how they're sort of transforming and using data and mm -hmm. uh, uh, more desktop valuations. So would I, I guess your product would sit alongside that? Yeah, we're, we're integrating with one of the big value firms as we speak. Okay, yeah. Because for exactly that reason, they want to go, oh, lender X. And we go, right, lender X really cares about this stuff. And by the way, that property, mm. no. Or, or when you go to that property, make sure you check these things. Mm. It's like sending somebody out with their homework. They've mm. got to know what to go look for. Mm. So you've obviously got the, the insurance decisioning is yeah. an area that, that utilizes your sort of data set, mm -hmm. increasingly in lending uh, and more yeah, than others. hugely. Hugely in lending. Uh, what other use cases are there? What, what companies are utilizing? Governments. Okay. Governments, yeah. So they're asking, they need to know more about housing stock. Mm. What's being used for what? What's suitable for what? Can mm -hmm. they convert something from being one thing into another thing? Again, all decisions by API. They just give us the rules that says, 
this is the kind of housing stock we'd like to build and we need to know is X there already in order to be able to mm. either make a bid for it or fund it. And we're hearing that uh, environmental kind of uh, factors are going to be increasing part of uh, lending in future. No, no, are there now already? Yes, yeah. certainly some products out there already now, and it seems like the direction of travel uh, is going to be yeah. uh, increasing in future. Sure. Do you have a kind of offering in that space, and where yeah. do you get that data from? Uh, okay, so let's do that order. Uh, why offering and then data? So the, the why part is, uh, if you've got a forward flow business, so you're a lender who's taking money from a third party, and you've got to get that loan securitized, so ready to be sold when it's when it's bound. A number of the securitization purchasers, so that would be, you know, Goldman's or their equivalent who are buying those blocks of mortgages in need to know that the, if they're going to take a 10 or 15 year risk on that set of mortgages, they need to know that those houses aren't going to end up underwater. Like, mm. you know, occupied by mackerel, no good for loans. So to do that, you need to start scanning at the outset. So a loan application comes in. You want to know, is that thing floody, subby, you know, climactically challenged? Yeah. So the very, very start point, origination point, lenders are now starting to scan against, okay, is it floody? Is it subby? Is there anything I need to know about this? Are there any challenges around where it's built or what it's built on? Mm. So that's, that's the why part. And the easy, how do you do it is you check the address and go, is it, you know, is it on any one of those things you've just said you care about? Yeah. Like the last part is where do you get the data from? So, uh, the Met Office released, uh, significant material planning information about what they think is going to happen climactically. Mm -hmm. And then there are a series of companies who analyze that data and write reports off the back of it. Mm. So there's several competitors in that space. And we just house those competitors. And depending on which lender uses which one of those providers of data, we just swap one provider out for the other one in, in the decision. I think that even without that mar within that market, you can see Quality of data and types of data is is changing. I saw a company called Terraformus yeah, yeah, yeah. event a few years back, and it, it was amazing. They they showed a presentation of kind of generic data mm -hmm. that lenders have previously used, overlaid with new forms of data mm -hmm. around like un underground mines and you know much more mm -hmm. detailed mm -hmm. to the point where you know you could actually type in your postcode and see like really is there a mine underneath you? Rather than yep. so, I think that will be increasingly sort of important moving forward. And yeah, Sergey Brin, founder of Google, co-founder of Google, just invested in a company called House Canary in the U.S. that mm -hmm. takes satellite imagery of uh, rooftops looking for a condition pre and post storm. Yes. So it's when when Google start getting involved or start getting interested, it's probably important. Yes. Yeah. I, I, and I think there are going to be a lot more companies in that space as we get very niche. -y. Do remember, though, that, that in different areas, territorially, you have uh, different potential climactic exposures. So the UK is largely water. If you take the uh, east coast of the States, it's largely, and uh, Caribbean coast of the States, it's largely hurricane. And then on the west coast, you've got largely fire, although not absolutely given what happened in Canada. But you're, so what you've got to take into account is what territory is the thing in and what is the likely impact of what climactic event there and therefore what data do you need? Yes. There's a, there's a good paper by um, uh, Wooden Hole, and I think it was co-written by, uh, co-authored by Al Gore on okay. what, uh, what area of the world is most likely to be impacted by what thing and therefore what is going to happen to the insurance companies that operate within that area? Mm, certainly growth area. Yeah. I say. So in terms of, you've got a very wide data set, lots of different data sources. I think the company's been around for about 10 years now. Did you find it? 12, I think. 12, right, okay. Um, is there anything on the horizon you're integrating? Or, or Yeah, well, a lot of it's live calls. So it's out to, actually, here's the big, the big thing that we've noticed is companies, have, banks specifically, or in this case, banks and insurance companies, 
are now finding it easier to use us to retrieve their own data than it is for them to retrieve it from their own system. So we've got one of, one of the big lenders have just mm. gone, look, here you have it. Okay. And they've dumped all their property data in our, in, to us and we serve it back to them enriched. Right. Is that because I guess a lot of incumbent financial companies have challenges around legacy systems, etc. Yeah, almost wanna... it's exactly what it is. It's legacy and systems. And they just get an endpoint that gives you an answer. Exactly, so input. private endpoint for the lender. So they've given us their 1.9 something million properties that they insure with all the property details I'm going to hear. If we need to know something, you tell us about ourselves. Interesting. interesting. So that, that's been a... And that, that was their suggestion, not ours. We, we had not gone to them with this as a proposition. We yes. went, well, couldn't we be one of your data silos? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So is that the... Because you've got obviously these API endpoints that are public. Mm-hmm. Is that... There's probably many ways to integrate. So one is they give you the data and you build mm-hmm. something custom. Do you do sort of more traditional kind of flat file integrations oh, as yeah. well? And- they want, if somebody wants a flat file, of course you can. They, there's a downside to it that they're they're immediately out of date. Mm, yes. uh, that's the problem. Yes. So uh, you're probably better off having a live connection, but oh, we don't mind. It's whatever makes it easy for the other side. Exactly. Sometimes I mean, we did a lot of work with, say, incumbents, uh-huh. uh, helping them transform and you know navigating the, uh, the the world of legacy platforms and you know silos, etc. Yeah. Sometimes a temporary solution can ultimately lead through to uh, a more permanent. Solution. We would hope, right? So the, as more of the customer service part becomes mobile based. Having a legacy you know, mainframe churning in the background just makes it nigh impossible. Yes. So you want to have something which is extremely data light, and there are just methods for dealing with that. Mm. We don't try to fixate on the tool set as such. Somebody brings a car into the garage, you don't show them the nice shiny spanner, it's just fix the car. So it's whatever car shows up, you've got to work with what you're given. Yes. So I guess... Um we touched on them briefly earlier, but what's next in terms of you know when fresh as a company and on the roadmap? So there are th- probably three things that we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the basis of that your job as a chief exec is to get the company to focus on four things and hope you succeed on three of them, and the one that didn't, you don't tank the boat. So the three things that we're working on. The first is the data storage for third parties, where they give us data to look after for them, and also we can deliver that data to their customers. So essentially, you make the company from being a supermarket, which you've described as to being a warehouse, and that's that's a it's a strong push we're getting from our customers. Please look after our own data for us and allow our customers collect it from you. Fine, we, it's just using the hardware that we already have. The second thing we're looking at around we talked about. Um, decisioning as a service, I think that's going to grow very materially mm-hmm. in the um, public space, in the government space, as more and more government departments have to make rational decisions which are under significant oversight to say, why are you spending X? And I think that's, a again, it's from the client push. It's not us going out hard selling. We are fielding stuff coming in at us. Mm-hmm. where different government departments have said, I need to be able to do this. Is this the right thing to do? What data would you use to support that decision? Mm-hmm. I think that's going to grow very significantly. We've got a lot of the effort level pointed at that right now. And the third thing, I think, will be the insured AVM. Because when combined with the information about a property, plus the insurance, plus the valuation, it's the ability for more and more lenders to move away from manual work into pure digital. Mm-hmm. And we saw it, we, we pushed out a product with MCube. Um, okay. Uh, when was that? Started last year, mm-hmm. so that they can do instant decisioning on lending. I mean, we handled pretty much all of the property calculations. Mm-hmm. They are taking that model out and you know, profligating throughout market. 
pushing to more lenders to say, do you want to use our backbone? The 27 Tech is the same thing. We're pushing more and more information out through 27 Tech mm -hmm. and we'll be doing it with more of the decisioning engines that exist in market already, which means that if you can see when a loan arrives at a brokerage and then you can see that loan going from brokerage to lender and also you're checking the rules as it goes along that feed, the last logical place for us to drop our service in is going to be on the surveyor's desktop or on the conveyancing uh, folder so that you can track the lead from one end to the other and check it as it goes through each of those gateposts mm. and make sure the data is right. Mm. So I think we are, whether we like it or not, going to end up being a pipe for lending. Mm. So the um, a kind of a Quest 2.0, somebody who handles data from the very point where the lead is originated, where a lead is a human who wants to buy a home. And we end up at the other end with successfully transacting that home and managing that workflow all the way through. Mm. I think that's where we're logically going to end up. Sounds exciting. I mean, the workflow from broker to, to lender has been improving the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. but still, there's a massive bottleneck around conveyancing and, you know, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the bottlenecks are only there because the, the data wasn't looked at at the outset. Mm. Keep calling it data. Just think about this more humanly. You want to buy a home. You have your heart set in the place. And what you want to know is that the lenders that are proposing themselves to you as potential fund sources will back you and that place. And that place is the one. They know you already. That credit scoring of people is done done, right? There's very little marginal improvement that's going to be available. Whereas on a decision in principle on property, that needs to be nailed because then we won't have the conveyance and problems that we currently have. We won't have those post-valuation queries. You get rid of that problem. You can lend faster, more efficiently, more safely, and it's better for the customer, better customer outcome. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> So I guess as a final, uh, and it's been really interesting to find out a bit more uh -huh. about Winfresh. So as a final question, I've got to ask yeah. the name Winfresh. What was the history? Do you want to learn it? Do you really want to know? Yeah, I do. Okay. So. It's a good name, don't get me no, wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> no well, it has been described as quite a headwind, but I, when you hear it, you don't forget it, mm. right? Okay. So uh, my, my first company, my first big company uh, cost... £18,000 to buy the URL for MoveMe. And uh, we were in a dispute with the German company. We wanted to buy MoveMe.de. Then mm -hmm. we found out that the owner wasn't the company that they said they were. It was owned by a Nordic ski recovery group right. in Germany. And I had to buy .de. With, <laughs> they wanted a second-hand Land Rover. Fine. Done. Wow. Okay. So I thought, I'm never going through that again. So when Alan and I were setting up Wenfresh, we were thinking, what are we going to call a company? Mm. And Al... Uh, Alan is a chief technology officer. Uh, he's he's phenomenal human being. And Alan said, we're not spending that. Well, a, we didn't have that kind of money to spend yep. on a URL. So he wrote a piece of code that picked up words in English. Most uh, two, like most, most words in English are gone already. Mm. Gone. Everything from, you know, obviously alphabet to aardvark to, you know, A to Z, gone. Done. Yep. So now you're using two words. Mm -hmm. like, uh, teaspoon houseplant. Okay. Is is that gone? Mm -hmm. So we just wrote a piece of code that went, okay, all the words in English that are two letters, go and find all the two letter mm -hmm. words, three letter words, four letter words, two words, two letter words with three letter words. And we just wrote, 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 went, right, got this code that's now going to match any sets of words in English, stick them together, and then throw them at the licensing software, which I knew quite a bit about. Mm -hmm. Having come from a licensing software background, it went, right, we'll find out all the companies all the names that haven't been used up yet. Okay. And then we got that list and sat down and went, okay, 
and worked our way through it and went, right, we can't use that one, we can't use that one. And Wenfresh was sitting in the middle. Mm -hmm. All right, how much is that? And I think it was $2.99. Okay. Done. <laughs> $2.99. I love your honesty here, but you're yeah. most rationalized and you know, actually with the yeah. way. <laughs> no, 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 because we, do, we did that initially. We said, oh, it's data once fresh. Yes. And thought, you know what, That's, that just sounds silly. And also, it's not true. Yeah. And if you're going to do something, if you're going to base your company on decisions or, or providing data that's true, then mm. you just got to get right into the DNA of going, all right, you want to know why we called it that? Because I'm a cheap ass and I spent <laughs> two bucks ninety nine buying the name of a company. Yes. That's the truth. Well, interesting. Well, I think we're kindred spirits. When I was uh, thinking of a name for, for my company around uh -huh. the same time, 13 years ago, I was looking at domain names that are available and short, and short ones. So mm. an approach was to look at a number on the end. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in the Docklands looking at the window. I thought, Doc9, I wonder if that's available. And it was Doc9.com. And it's the same, I think it was like $4 Brilliant. or whatever to buy a domain name. And, yep. uh, and uh, 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 people often ask, and I uh, sometimes think I sort of try to post rationalize the name, but actually, I'll be honest now. On that. Yeah, it's cheap. I'm cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's, exactly uh, right. But that's how we can provide good value to our clients, obviously. So, look at that. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, great to meet you today. Yeah, thanks for coming in uh, and thanks Enjoy. to the audience for listening.